Good to be back together. Welcome to 2016. Three days in, which means the majority of your resolutions are already failed. Right? It's, if that, you make resolutions, that tends to be what happens. And, um, and so you know, I've decided that I don't make resolutions anymore. Actually, what I want to do is change my resolutions. So I made a couple for this year. One is I'm going to lay around more. Watch more sports on television. So something I'd like to do, eat more chocolate. I'm working on those. Now, you've got some things that are going to happen to you in 2016, most of which you have no idea yet are coming. You're going to be presented with a whole lot of choices and a whole lot of decisions that you make. And in every one of those, you will have options of what you do. And we've been in the book of Proverbs, and today we're going to look at the, the prevailing theme through the entire book of Proverbs, but I want to invite you to look at me at something that if you do make resolutions or if you're just thinking about where 2006 is taking you, I want to just assume for a second that one of the things that you would like to be true in 2016 is that you would make wise choices. Can I just assume that for a second? You would like to have some wisdom in what you face and what you do and how you react. How do you do that? You're going to face certain choices because... You're going to have things happen. It may have already happened today where you found yourself in the service industry and you got strung along by somebody who couldn't get your order right or somebody who messed you up or somebody who's left you on hold far too long or keeps sending you to the wrong departments on the phone and you decide in that moment whether the best choice, the wisest choice is the calm approach or the postal approach. You, You get invited to go into business with a relative and you decide is that a good thing to do or not such a good thing to do you're asked to co-sign a loan for someone who's close to you or you're exasperated with a relationship and you say is it time to end this relationship or should i give it more time you you're deciding on a large purchase coming up or a big decision about where you live or where you work or where your family is or school And you have to decide, what do I do? Do I pull the trigger now or do I wait? Which is the wisest decision? You're running out of ideas on what to do with an unruly child. And you're trying to figure out what is the way to go with this. What's the next option that is wise in this situation? You're deciding whether this person is the right one for you. Or you should break up. Or try that other person. Or just go it alone. How can you know? with confidence that when you face those everyday kinds of things some of them being some of them large that was two same thing some of them not so large you know it's a hangover weekend that the decision you're making is the wise choice i'm going to show you a whole bunch of uh, verses from the book of proverbs but if you want to stick a finger in somewhere or find it on your device proverbs chapters eight and nine you can camp out there we'll keep coming back to there Proverbs right smack in the middle of the Bible. Wisdom literature from God, it's actually called. Proverbs chapters 8 and 9. You're gonna, we're going to see a whole lot about this. And we're going to ask some questions about what wisdom is. Let me just ask you this. Who is the wisest person you know personally? Just think about that. Who's the wisest person? Who, who, who comes to your mind about that? What is it about them or what they do or think or say that makes you say that about them? Is there anybody who would say that you are the wisest person they know? How might that happen? 
What is wisdom? How do you recognize it? I mean, come on, you know, we can talk, we can say, oh, you know, wisdom, it's that thing, it's being wise. Well, what, what exactly is it? And, and if I really want it, do I, the question is, do I, do I have it right now? Do I put, am I in possession of wisdom? Am I a wise person? Where do you find it? And how do I engage it consistently? Homer wrote centuries ago, in youth and beauty, wisdom is but rare. So if you're young or beautiful today, which is just about everybody in the room, you don't have it. God explains what wisdom is, and he packages it for us. He wants you to have wisdom. In fact, you're going to see statements from Proverbs where it's saying, above everything else in your life, if you go after one thing, go after this. Go after wisdom because of what it will do in your life. And God will explain that wisdom is not the same as knowledge. There are a whole lot of people who have a lot of knowledge and they don't have much wisdom. And wisdom is not the same as experience. There are people with a whole lot of years on them, a whole lot of experience, but they're not wise. And some would say, well, what wisdom is, is the combination, knowledge plus experience. And God would say, not quite. There's some other factors that go into that. What are they? So, we're going to take a look at how wisdom is pictured. Now, if you just, I'm going to show you several of these, but if you just look at uh, Proverbs verse, let's look at chapter 9 first, and it's going to, what's going to happen is wisdom is going to get pictured for us, and it's going to get personified in two contrasting personifications, like a person standing in front of you. Wisdom is on one side, and folly is on the other side. And so wisdom is going to talk in, in this scripture like it's a person calling to you. So this is... Uh, if you just look at Proverbs 9, the first few verses, it says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out, it, out its seven pillars. She's prepared her meat, mixed her wine. She's set her table. She set out her maids, sent out her maids, and she calls. From the highest point of the city, let all who are simple come in here, she says, to those who lack judgment. Come, eat my food, drink the wine I've mixed, leave your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. It's a parallel uh, term for wisdom. So what you'll see is these two uh, personification set up next to each other and one and they're and they're both depicted in the bible as women now some would say that they're kind of like women in the marketplace trying to sell you what they've created or what they've made and f- and wisdom is on one side and folly is on the other side so uh, folly in it, later on in chapter nine you can look in, in your scripture but here's where it says that that the woman folly verse 13 says is loud she's undisciplined without knowledge she sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who have passed by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Very similar phrase, right? All right, you want, you want to know the way to go? I got the way that's going to work best for you in life. And among the things she'll say is, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. And we'll see later what exactly what they say, but here's a little tease. It says, but little do they know that the dead are there, that our guests are in the depths of the grave. Wisdom on the other side is also calling. So you got two people trying to sell you something. And wisdom is saying things like this. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple gain prudence. You who are foolish gain understanding. you got these two calls going out to you. They're depicted. And what that means is that Every choice you and I have in our life, every single choice, 
has at least two options to them. Even the ones where we say, we'll talk about this later, I had no choice. There is always a choice. Wisdom on one side calls to us, folly on the other side calls to us. And they represent these two options in every situation. So in the general description, God says something about wisdom, this quality. And look at chapter 8, verse 22. This personification, it actually says that this was true about at the very creation of the universe. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Wisdom is talking. Before his deeds of old, I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. You see, what it, it's personifying that, that wisdom was there. And then it says, when there were no oceans, I was given birth. Where there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. It's not that there was another real person with him. It's saying this personification, this quality that reflects God. It's almost like God has a hologram going on at creation that reflects, or a mirror that's saying, this is what is guiding him through this. And it says that it was, it was wisdom. Later on, in Pro, or earlier in Proverbs 3, 19, it just says this, but by wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. It's like a guiding perspective that God has exhibited all along. And now he says, okay, you're an image bearer. You were created. You're not like the grass. You're not like the cows. You're not like the angels. You are an image bearer of God. You are unique. And one of the qualities is, is of being an image bearer is you get the opportunity to carry that same quality with you. The quality of having wisdom guide your thinking. Now, folly, you don't have to choose. Folly, wisdom, it, uh, you know, in, in juxtaposition, juxtapos, yeah, I'll get it, position to wisdom is something that you're just born with. You don't have to tell a kid, teach a kid how to lie or to be selfish. You know what? You, were, you got a big dose of foolishness when you were conceived. It was embedded in your gut, in your soul. Thanks, Adam and Eve. And in fact, Proverbs 22 will say it this way. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Like it's all interwoven in there from the youngest of children. Foolishness guides them, and it's only through hard effort and discipline that it's going to have a way of being extracted. So those two are presented to us, and they're characterized in this way. Again, we saw that the similarities are that they are both calling out. Wisdom is calling to you and saying, come listen, come learn, keep learning. There is a way that reflects God's character. Folly says, oh, no, no. Oh, I got another way. It's like the two angels on, you know, the angel and demon on your shoulders. But there's a reality in your soul that, that those, those are both calling they're, and they're very enticing. They're similar in that they both offer help and they both offer a payoff to us. So it's not like one is just looks terrible and, and wrong and evil all the time. They both look very attractive. They both will make sense at times. In fact, sometimes folly will make a whole lot more sense than wisdom will. And the question then is, whose call are we going to respond to? It's like when you've got the dog and they say, whose dog is it? And one kid says it's their dog and the mom says it's their dog. And they say, no, whose dog love best? 
You have a dog. Who does the dog love best in your house? Okay, you might have an argument about that. You know how some people will do that. They'll say, okay, we're going we're gonna to stand on one side of the room. We're both going to call the dog. And when we call the dog, whoever the dog goes to is the one that the dog likes best, which never makes any sense because somebody slathers their hands in peanut butter with it when the other people don't know it or says something or has little treats or says the magic word and the dog comes to them. But, the, but we say, well, there's a choice to be made. And when it comes to the decisions of our life, wisdom is going to call, folly is going to call, and then we have a decision that we make. So what we need to remember about this is this. You always, always have a choice. You have a choice. If we do not choose wisdom, it's not because we had no choice. When you hear people say in the news, I had no choice but to take this action. No, they had a choice. They made the decision. What you're facing right now, you can feel pressured and you can feel like you're left to, in a desperate situation, but there's, you always have a choice. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have, the choices are going to be painless. It doesn't mean that, they're not, that, that you don't have a choice that's going to have sacrifice or have no sacrifice. But the choice we make is where we decide whether wisdom is chased after or not in our lives. And, and so that's what God says. There's a mandate he gives. And he says, there is a wise choice. And, and when you set your course, 2016, you want to set some goals, you want to have resolutions, whatever you choose to do or don't do. But what God would say is top level, top shelf. You know what you need to go after? Hard. Chase after wise choices. Chase after wisdom. This is Proverbs 4, 5, and 7. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't for, do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she, and because she will protect you. Uh, she'll protect you, love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. And the Hebrew for that, mean, uh, that means it's like this passionate drop everything go after it don't look don't look anywhere else go after that above all get wisdom though it costs all you have get understanding proverbs 3 will put it this way blessed is the man who, who finds wisdom the man who gains understanding for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold she's more precious than rubies nothing you desire can compare with her long life is in her right hand in her left hand are riches and honor her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. So, so God says, this thing is worth getting, and it is worth more to you. It'll be worth more to you than silver. And one commentator uh, back at the turn of the century said kind of what became a famous word in uh, essays about the Bible. If wisdom and diamonds grew on the same tree, we would soon tell how much men love wisdom. Because if you had a tree in your yard and diamonds and wisdom were growing, I'm going to tell you honestly, I think the, I'd be looking at the diamonds. And God says, no, this is not just sentimentality. This is a real thing. You get wisdom in your life and it will pay off for you. It'll be more valuable for you than any other possession you might go after. And so... You see this phrase again, both, both are calling out, and this is what wisdom says. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. This is from Proverbs 1. 
She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out in the gateways of the city. She makes her speech. She calls on that. And so what happens is the Bible is going to contrast these two women. And there's wisdom and there's folly and there's, and there's ways to kind of recognize which one is which. There's qualities that you'll hear from wisdom and qualities that you'll hear from folly. And so he, he's going to give a little bit of a, 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 a show the difference between these two. And one of those differences you'll see all throughout, and this, I'm going to give you a summary now and only look at a couple of verses. One of them is that folly will give solutions and actions that, are, that focus on the quick fix, immediate results, and impulsive action. And wisdom will tend to give instructions that are slower, controlled, thought-out approaches. You'll see this reflected in a whole lot of the Proverbs where it talks about wisdom and folly. One of them is Proverbs 14, 16, uh, 16 and 17, where it says, A wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil, but a fool is hot-headed and reckless. It means, it means that quick to rush in and, and do stuff. A quick-tempered man does foolish things. Proverbs 23 says, It is to a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. So there, there, and, and there's plenty of other of these, but folly is going to tell you there's a way you can get out of this mess, there's a way you can take action, there's a way you can get satisfaction. Right now. Doesn't that seem appealing? Because don't we all know that there's one goal you have when you're in pain. The first goal, I'm just going to assume this is true. We could say, my first goal when I'm in pain is to honor God. No, it's not. Your first goal, your first impulse is to get out of pain. How do you get out of pain? Usually, there are options that will quick fix the pain. Make the pain subside. You can take a pill, or you can take an action, or you can cut loose something. You can walk away from something. You can quit it. You can mitigate the pain. And usually, God's word says, that's going to be folly talking to you. Yeah, but it works. Yeah, maybe in the short term. The long-term approach, slower, controlled, thought-out approaches. So the Bible has a word for that. If you're in Proverbs 8, take a look at 8, 5. The word in my translation is the word prudence, which is kind of an old word that people don't think about too often. What is prudence? It sounds like a stuffy word. What is prudence? Well, what it really means, it's, it's a thoughtful pause it's, it's exercising discretion in a moment. It's using good judgment, another translation uses. Verse 5 says, you who are simple gain prudence. You who are foolish gain understanding. It equates those two. If you look down at verse uh, 12, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. If you want to see that compared to chapter 9, look at just look, 9 verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She's undisciplined. And without knowledge, that contrast is there. Here's, a, here's another quality you'll see. Fo- folly will call to us in a way that will say be aggressive and be harsh and demanding. You know why? Because the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? You, you, you take charge. You make stuff happen. You, you force the issue sometimes, whereas wisdom will generally call us toward gentleness and softness and patience and being self-controlled. Proverbs 19.11 says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It's through his glory to overlook an offense. 14.29 says, a patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. 29, 11, chapter 29, two verses in there, 11 and 20. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? Can I just stop there and ask you, have you seen one? Have you seen one lately? Have you looked in the mirror? Do you see a man who speaks in haste? 
there is more hope for a fool than for him. There's this contrast there. We're going to go on to this one. This is the third one. Self-focus versus others focus. And then you go say, well, of course. Think about others first and not yourself. Yes, but remember, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And what that means to me, it says to me, is it's in my nature, it's in my character, my first impulse, my first thought is the selfish one. Now, I have known Jesus Christ for the vast majority of my life. I have invited him to be my savior. I've invited him to be my Lord. I would encourage you, if you're starting the journey, to look hard at Jesus. This is where, he's where it starts. He is who he says he is. He is the son of God. He came to the earth to take your sins. And he is the only one who can give you a new heart and a new life. I believe with everything in me that he's done that for me. My future is secured. My sins are forgiven. I am a child of God. I'm embraced by him forever. He wraps me in his righteousness. He looks at me with favor. It's, it's like Brendan Manning, one of my favorite authors, has always said, he says, you know what? You can look at me and ask where I, where I stand with God, but I'll tell you, I'm one of his favorites. Not because of me, just because of him. And I believe that about myself. I believe that I am totally, completely absolved of my sin. It is nailed to the cross. It is forgiven and forgotten by God. And I will tell you that I still walk around with a heart that's first impulse is myself. There is still a battle going on. There are still two voices calling to me anytime something happens. When something needs done, my first thought is, what is this going to cost me? What can I get away with? What's the least I can do for other people? If you don't want that in your pasture, you need to go find somebody else. Because that's the fight I fight all the time. And I'm just going to dare say, it's your fight too. Folly is going to feed that. Folly is going to say, you know what? Look out for yourself. Put yourself first. Self-satisfaction. Self-preservation. Make... What, what feels best to you? What seems best to you? Make yourself the center of your decision-making. Did you see that little verse in, in chapter 9, verse um, 17, the first part, what folly says? There's a phrase, a little, stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious. You know, there's truth to that. Doesn't it feel good to get something you're not supposed to have? Doesn't it feel good to get away with something? Doesn't it doesn't just tickle something inside you? That's from the impulse within me. That's folly calling out to me. And, I, and God will call on us to defer to the corporate goals, to, to put, place myself and others' needs be, before mine. And of course, the picture of it, the epitome of that is Jesus himself, that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or hoarded, but he made himself nothing. He emptied himself taking on the very form of a servant. Wisdom is going to call us to that decision. Can I tell you, that one's not near as much fun. Not nearly as sweet. Doesn't, doesn't titillate us. It doesn't get our attention like, ooh, wouldn't that be cool? But you know what? God's going to say, ah, but it, when you reflect God's character, watch what it'll get you in the end. We'll keep going. Here's, here's another contrast. If you want to recognize the difference in your life, and again, these are theory things until you, tomorrow when you walk, or today, when you walk out of here and you have decisions to make. And folly will tell you, make that decisions in a way that isolates yourself from outside input. 
Nobody knows better than you what you need. Nobody knows your circumstance. Nobody understands. They don't understand. So you do what's best. You don't need to be airing your dirty laundry to people. You don't need to be asking people's advice. You know what they would say anyway. You just do what feels best to you. You decide on others' decisions. And wisdom will say, in contrast to that, seek outside counsel. That God has a way of providing his wisdom through that. Proverbs 10, 8 says, the, the wise in heart accept commands, meaning they look, they're accepting of pe- people outside themselves telling them what, seem, what might be God's way in their life. But a chattering fool, one who's talking and not listening, comes to ruin. Proverbs 15 says, plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. 24, 6 says, a wise man has great power, and for waging war, you need guidance. For victory, you need many advisors. The Bible calls on us. This is what we do in our cell groups all the time. This is why we're a cell-based church. This is why we live in community, why you are never intended to be doing this alone. It's not just so you can be friendly. It's not just so you can, you can have some place to go. It's because the source of wisdom has been given to us in community, in others. And in Proverbs 20, verse 5, it says that the purposes, the intentions, the motives of a man's heart are deep waters. They're under the surface. They're hidden. But somebody else, being God's instrument, a man of understanding, and that's the same word that's used for wisdom, will find a way to draw that out in each other. Folly is going to tell you to isolate yourself from outside input. Wisdom is going to call on you to open yourself, to invite yourself, to critique, to seek counsel. See, here's something that's true about wisdom. In any decision that you've got coming up or you've recently made, and you say, is that a wise decision or not? The wise option will never feel like it needs to fear exposure. It doesn't care if people know what the decision was or what the behavior was. Wise decisions don't worry about whether it's known or not. The ones that are folly are the ones that you go, yeah, I don't want anybody to know I chose that. I'd rather people not know that I'm doing that or that that's involved in my life. There's a reason why when I've got decisions to make for my life, I don't want to ask you what your input is. Naturally. You know what the reason is? I don't want to hear what you have to say. You may say something that disagrees with what I've already decided is best. But God says in the book of Proverbs, there is a way that seems best to a man, and the way thereof is the way of, does anybody know? Death. I have got to get over myself and my capacity to think smartly and wisely and say unilaterally, I will always make the the right choice. God seems to say, no, you want wisdom in your life? That almost never happens. You need to invite his instruments, open them up, Invite their critique and see what God says to you through that. Here's one more little contrast. What folly calls us to do, the decision it causes us to make, the lifestyle or practices it involves, we would get involved in, if we put those into practice, sustained involvement in them, sustained practice results in, in ongoing deterioration of the person. Reduced health of their body, their soul, their relationships. While wisdom, if you stay at it and you keep doing it, you get stronger. Your relationship gets healthier. 
you increase the health of the body or the soul or the relationship. Years ago, there was a, I, th- I think it was a movie that came out, and, and um, it was called Supersize Me. Everybody remember that? There was, there was a guy who did an experiment where he went to McDonald's and decided, McDonald's was advertising, and, and if you work for McDonald's, this is all in the past, I'm sure it's not true anymore, okay? It's no, no lawsuits. And McDonald's was advertising their food as being good and good for you, and so this guy said he's going to eat exclusively McDonald's products for a period of time. He went through that, and what happened was, and they chronicled this, over time, he gained, in a month, he gained 25 pounds. He started having wild mood swings, and then he went to his doctor and found out that his cholesterol level was rising at at an exorbitant rate, and his liver toxicity was putting him in danger. Basically, it was said, you if you decide that that's the wise choice for you and you keep feeding it, you are going to deteriorate. Folly will say, isn't this fun? Isn't this cool? To get what you want. But, but what folly draws you to will have a long-term effect. The more you do it, it becomes a, a part of your lifestyle. It will have effects that are, the words that are used to describe in Proverbs are really intense. Proverbs, look at the end of Proverbs 7. I think you, if you're close to that. And this is talking about the folly of relationships and going toward outside God's paths for our sexual health and our marital relationships. And it says, this is uh, verse 26. Many are the victims she's brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. I mean, wow, is that vivid? You go that direction, it's going to kill you either quickly or slowly, it's going to have an effect. If you look at chapter 9, verses 17 and 18, similar. Stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious, but little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are, the, are in the depths of the grave. It raises a question. Okay. Yeah. 2016. I would like to be wise in 2016. All in agreement? Okay. How do you get it? How do you get wise? If you would, turn to Proverbs chapter 2. I'm just going to read you a section of Proverbs 2. And the first eight to nine chapters of Proverbs are really full of just statements about wisdom and pursuing it. Let me just read this to you and then reflect, we'll reflect on it for a minute. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight, cry aloud for understanding, those are all parallel words talking about wisdom. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Because the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth and knowledge come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. You're going to hear this more in just a minute. Do you see what he says he'll do for people who choose wisdom? Look at that last verse again. He guards their course protects their way. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. By the way, the wisdom enters your heart, not just your mind. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who lead the straight paths to walk in dark ways. Look at verse 16. It will save you from the adulteress, and then it, and it goes on. Verse 21, the upright will live in the land. Verse 20, 
You will walk in the ways of the good men, keep to the paths of the righteous. The upright will live in the land. The blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. Okay, so how do you get it? If you were to say, in 2016, I'm going to increase in wisdom. If everybody said, let's do that. Let's make that a goal. How would that happen? One of the things that the Proverbs are going to say over and over again is you don't get wisdom without a conscious, proactive pursuit of it. Conscious choices. Wisdom is supreme, therefore go after it. Get wisdom. It means that it, does, it starts with saying, I need something that I don't have. Socrates once said that the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. And that true wisdom comes to each of us when we realize how little we understand about life, ourselves, and the world around us. Dostoevsky once wrote that the cleverest, the most wise of all, in my opinion, is the man who calls himself a fool at least once a month. The way this starts is, first of all, something has to happen in my heart that says, I need something that I don't already have. I have to decide to proactively go after something. That means that it ha- it, there's, a, there's a, a humility that has to come about o- over me. See, here's the thing, and I say this to myself as much as to you. The smarter you think you are, the less wise you're capable of becoming. Because you will trust what you believe you already know. You won't see the lack of it. There needs to be a decision that we make that says, you know what, God's ways are not my ways. God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. There's something I don't have. You may be a highly, highly intelligent person. You may have skills. They may pay you well at your workplace to go in and solve problems. But that is not the same as wisdom. God says the first thing you got to do is chase after something that you don't have. It means I have to admit I don't have it. I have to say it's not natural to me. It's outside myself. So where do I go chase it? And there are a handful of sources the Proverbs will give us to say where wisdom is going to be found. It's found in and around. You know what? It's found where the Holy Spirit hangs out. Okay, let's talk about where the Holy Spirit hangs out. God's Spirit produces wisdom. He infuses it into our souls. Where, where does he hang out? There are th- here, I'm going to give you three places where the Holy Spirit tends to hang out. He hangs out around the word of God. Psalm, Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord, or the, this is talking about the Bible as they had it at that point, is perfect and it revives the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. Look what it says, making wise. The simple. God's wisdom will never, ever go contrary to what he has already said. The Holy Spirit hangs out around the word of God. He takes the word of God, applies it to our hearts. And what that means is if you want wisdom, you will find it in God's word. You know what else that means? That means if God has already said something that's true, there will never be a time where where he he leads you in a way that's contrary to it. If somebody prays about it, so you say, yeah, yeah, but you know, I prayed about it. I prayed about it, and these circumstances opened up, and look, I had these choices in front of me, and it seemed like the right thing to do. Did it match what God has said? If God has said something different, he's already given you his wisdom. He will, it won't be from God. It could be from your own emotions. It could be just circumstances, but it won't be from God if you say, oh, the path of wisdom is different from what he has said. The Holy Spirit hangs out in the word of God. You you absorb it, you apply it, and his wisdom comes through. 
It embeds within us. We could say a whole lot more about that, but here's the second of, of what, where, where he hangs out. The Holy Spirit hangs out around wise people of God. Yeah. You know, if you're around the Bible at all, that there's this truth that God has that when a person comp- crosses a line of faith and they give their heart to Jesus Christ, if you've just done that recently or considering doing it, here's one of the things that will happen. God's Spirit comes and actually... Im- he comes, he invades your soul. He takes up residence within your soul and he diffuses his wisdom out through his people. Again, why we gather in groups is because there is a collective wisdom that comes from God when God's people reflect his heart to each other. You want wisdom? You want to see where the Holy Spirit? Go around really wise people. Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. Chapter 15, verse 31 goes on to say, he who listens to a life-giving rebuke, okay, this is being around wise people who are speaking into each other's lives, will be at home, look at this, among the wise. He'll be at home there. And it doesn't say it any more clearly than in Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. You want to be wise? Find some wise people and ask to be in a hangout with them. Get around them. Now, you may find yourself surrounded by cattle all your live-long day in your mind. You may say, there are people who have no, no sense whatsoever. I can't get away to get a, a, away from these people, especially in your own family. You think your own family doesn't know anything. You don't think the people at work know anything. People in your neighborhood don't know anything. And you might say, I don't know any wise people. Ask God and ask other people who are the wisest people around and ask if you can hang out with them. Get in a group of people and say, I want to pursue God's wisdom together. Anybody else want to do that? Something happens. The Holy Spirit hangs out there. He dispenses wisdom in that setting. What that means is, I, I would challenge you with this. If you have any, any major, even moderate decision coming up in your life, you're trying to decide where you're gonna, whether you're going to move or not, whether you're going to change jobs or not, where you're going to go to school in the fall, whether you're going to join that team or that team, whether you're going to... what. Where where are you going to make a major purchase? And you say, this is nobody's business. People should keep their, you know, keep keep themselves. I will make a decision. You will forfeit God's wisdom, a measure of it, if you do that. Bring that into the collective group of people who you see as wise and say, help me think about this. Again, there's a reason I don't do it. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I want to do what's, what Bible calls being wise in my own eyes. And every time that phrase gets used in the Bible, every time when it says they did what was wise in their own eyes, something terrible happens. Something less than ideal happens. God's spirit hangs out around his word. He hangs out around his, his wise people. And his spirit hangs out around this practice of what it calls the fear of Yahweh. The fear of the Lord. Look at Pro- you in Proverbs 9 still or somewhere around there? Look at Proverbs 9, verses uh, 9 to 10. The fear of the Lord, or of Yahweh, is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you will suffer. The fear of the Lord means... 
it doesn't mean trembling in your boots in front of him, but you know what? It kind of includes that. Recognizing that there is a true living being in the room right now who lives in your home and in your world, who's in the car with you when you're driving, who's in your cubicle at work, that that God is in control of this world. He knows what he's doing. You will answer to him and his way is best. It means deferring to him in an awareness of him. Practicing his presence in that moment and saying, I answer to you, you're invited into the situation. I fear you, I respect you, I invite you, I defer to you. That's encompassed in the the phrase, the fear of the Lord. What it means is I actively expose myself and my flaws to him. I, I bring humble deference to him vertically. God's spirit does something in your soul. He Wisdom happens when I, when I place myself it consciously in that position to him. So the Holy Spirit hangs around his word, he hangs around wise people, and he hangs, hangs around his very presence in a conscious awareness of God. What that means is it's not you don't just come here on Sunday to visit him. You don't just say, you know what, New Year's resolution, I'm going to go to church a little more often. That'd be good for me. God doesn't want you to come here to visit him. He wants you to take him with you. He wants to go. And in his presence, in the, in the, the proper deference to him, wisdom shows up. You know what's a weird thing about that? All of a sudden you find yourself thinking differently and choosing differently. Sometimes you don't even know you're doing it. Wisdom isn't something that necessarily happens like, oh, right now I'm going to choose wisdom instead of folly. All of a sudden you look back and go, wow, I've made some decisions different lately. How did that happen? You know what that is? That's God's wisdom embedding itself and coming out from inside you. Here's what wisdom produces. Look again at at, at chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. When this is in our lives, I read this to you earlier, but look at just reflect on it for a minute. Verse 7 of chapter chapter 2. He holds victory in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless. He guards the course of the just, protects the way of his faithful ones. There is a protection that comes from God. There's a presence that guides your way and guards your path. There's some clear direction that he gives. Look at verse uh, 11. Discretion will protect you. Understanding will guard you. It'll save you. And then it goes on to just say that, that not only it will save you, it will, uh, verse 20 and following, you live in the land and you're blameless and you remain in it. God, will, God does something there. Let, take a look at Proverbs 6. My son, keep your father's commands. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they, they, they will speak. For these commands are a lamp, this teaching is a light, and the corrections of discipline are the way of life. There is fruit that comes. There's long, God says there's longevity of life that comes by being wise. You actually tend to live longer. That, that there is physical strength and protection that's given, that there's clear direction given. But God says, son, you, you, I'm just going to share this with you because you need, we need to hear it. God's very clear about this. He honors you being a volitional person. And so you don't have to choose wisdom. We don't have to do it. But he says, okay, look, 
You don't have to choose wisdom. You can do what comes naturally, but just understand where you're going to go with it. My, my mother used to say this. She'd say, you know, you're going to break your neck. You're going to break your neck. I was always going to do something. She was, I was always going to break my neck. I don't know what it was about my neck in particular that she said I was going to break, but she said, you climb up there, you're going to break your neck. You run over there, you're going to break your neck. I was always going to break my neck. And then she would always say this. She'd say, if you, if you go out and break your neck, don't come running to me. <laughs> okay. You know, God kind of says something like that too. Wisdom says it to us. Because he presents the way to wisdom, but he comes with a very clear, he's not trying to power up on you. He's just saying, look, this is, it's a very gritty book. You can choose wisdom and it'll, it'll really pay off. But you don't have to, you can choose folly. If you do, here's what he says. Look at chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. Here's what she says, verse 22. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I, turn, I, will turn in, and I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then you will call to me, but I won't answer. They'll look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept his advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways, be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease with, without without fear of harm. You know what that, you, how you can summarize that statement? God says this. You reap what you sow. You have an option. If we choose wisdom, good things happen. If we choose foolishness, there are a whole lot of people who blame God, and some of you may do this. We blame God because we say, I was in trouble, and I called out to him, and he didn't answer a whole lot of the time, not always, but a whole lot of the time, the reason we were in trouble is because he had called us, he was ready, and we chose to go our way, and all he's doing is respecting your choice. God wants to make that very clear to us. But his point is not, I'm going to be harsh to you. His point is, right now, right in this moment, at the, at the dawn of 2016, you have the choice. You have the option Choose wisdom. Build it into your life. Chase it. For some of us, in very practical ways, that means that there is something that's coming up that you need wisdom for. What, what is, there, there's a conflict that's coming up in 2016. There's a decision or a large purchase that's coming up. There's a dating decision. There's struggling with a relationship and trying to decide what to do. There's a lifestyle choice that making. There's moral choices to be made. God says, you have the choice right now Chase wisdom, and you will not regret the fruit that it produces in your life. Let me ask you this question. What do you need wisdom for right now in your life? What is it that you're facing, that you're involved in, that you're struggling with, that you're unsure about? You would say, I don't know what's wise. Can I invite you that God says, 
Chase wisdom, you will find it. It will reward you on the path. Find it where the Holy Spirit hangs out and grab it. Pray with me. Some of us in the room, Lord, if we're honest with you right now, we would say, yeah, we have been kind of foolish or maybe very foolish. We have chosen folly. We've chosen the quick way, the easy way, the self-serving way, all those things. We've avoided you. We've avoided your word. We've avoided your wisdom and your, from among your people. And some in the room are paying a price for that. I pray that you give hope to us who might be in that condition. Let us know, remind us that there is still acceptance for us and there is a future for us even when we've chosen foolishness in the past. But Lord, there's also people right now, right now, I know there are people right here in this room who are on the precipice of the decision of a choice about how they spend their time, who they're with, decisions they have to make, their attitude of their heart whether they walk away from something or walk toward it. Right on the brink of that decision, God, would you call us to your wisdom? Would you take us to what you say in your word? Would you help us find your wisdom among godly, wise people? Would you meet us in the middle of it and help us know that when we defer to you and your ways, there's wisdom in that? And then would you bring health out of that? Would you bring strength in the future? Thank you in advance for doing that. Would you make 2016 a year where wisdom prevails in this body and in our individual lives? And we want to walk together toward that. Help us do that with each other. Thank you for walking with us. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Welcome to 2016. Um, LCC update is out, and there's stuff coming up we want you to be aware of. But um, as you, all our cell groups are starting new again, right? Most, I think all of them this week have kind of their first meeting after the holidays. Come be part of a cell group. This is where we dig this stuff out. If you don't know, know how to find one, um, there's a wall right on the other side of that wall where there's all kinds of details. You can put stuff in, find it. Jump in with us and let's live this out, you guys. Let's talk about it with each other. Let's chase after it together. Next week, we're going to talk about very, very practical things and it's Proverbs about family matters, all right? Come join us for that. Say good morning to somebody near you on your way out. See you soon. <laughs>